Hi everyone, you're listening to episode 12 of the Gay 2 podcast. That went so bad, was it? <laughs> and Dan, the lovely skill by him, good feet. Moving the ball forward, he may even go on his own. He doesn't, he slips it out to Connor Roberts, who plays it back to Dan Dern, he hits the ball. And the keeper pushes it away, it's going to come back out. Fulton's toe pokes it into the goal, and it was with the outside of the foot. That was not a back pass, it was. It's touched Andre Ayew, and it's off the line. There's a crowd of players, and Ayew this time gets a shot in. It's off his marker, and out for a corner. That one knocks it forward. Palmer may get there. Palmer ahead of the keeper. He's won it for Swansea City. <laughs> 2-0. He's taken a knock. And that is surely the winning goal for Steve Cooper's men. Right. Let's get straight into it then, boys. Um, start of the season. Yeah, it's not been bad, is it? Very much like last season, to be fair, except the weather's far worse. Do you think Cooper is a start and end of season specialist? He doesn't mm. need to be, doesn't he? He's a bit weak in the middle. He's like a nice Victoria sponge, strong at the top, strong at the bottom, a little bit soft in the middle. That's a fucking strange, that's a bake-off analogy to get us going, isn't it? Tell her I've been watching on TV. Right? Right. You've had that stored for weeks. Do you know what? That was that was off the cuff, which which you know is believable because it was shit. Easy on a Malbec gun. No, but um, you know, mirroring what uh, you said there, I think it's been a solid start. You can't argue with the start we've had. Um, is it uh, four wins, three draws? I'm referring to my notes, and uh, yeah. just the one loss I had this week. Oh, he's got notes, yeah, he's got notes. <laughs> Norris is keeping an impression on his debut because he's got notes, and none of us have ever used notes. I've got to 15. use notes because I can't remember it. But um, <laughs> fifteen oh, points made one... games. Sorry, yeah, Stabner. Yeah, it's only one, one loss at home against Huddersfield, and you know where we expected to pick up three points, but you know the points we picked up on our travels. Um, you always take a point away. Um, you can't argue with the staff. Yeah, I mean, dare I, dare I say it the Huddersfield game as well? I think we had twenty minutes where we were poor, but I don't think we deserve to lose that game. I know we played particularly well, but we finished. We failed to finish a few good chances in that game. We should have taken at least a point as well. But um, yeah, I think unspectacular at the start. But it's been, steady. it's been one of those. Um, it's been one of those starts, right? But you think, all oh, right, fucking hell, it hasn't been a spectacular start until you look at the league table prior to the start and think, oh, we've got three points off second place. But how, how have we done that? Um, it, it, I mean, if you take Redding out of the equation, we're absolutely. I mean, from nowhere. Boss in it, and the seven points clear. We're pretty much where well, we are, top of the league, aside from yeah. Red, anyway. So yeah, obviously a few fixtures tonight we could drop into fourth, but every year I look at the championship and think that we we're not good enough to be fighting at the top end. And then within about six or seven games, I remember how fucking shit teams are in the championship. And I mean yeah. in the nicest way possible, but you know you look at the likes of Bournemouth and Watford, and I know they're doing all right, but I'd expect them to pick up more points and be a a bit yeah, but I, they are. I, I think when you look when you when you talk about teams like Bournemouth and Watford who've mm-hmm. come down from the Premier League, there's always like a a resettlement period. Yeah. Where you where you kind of drop into a new division and, and find your feet. So 
they they I, I expect them both to come strong. Um, yeah, I mean, squad. To be honest, yeah. anyone there? Uh, any standout performers for you at the start, guys? Got to be Bidwell, surely. Again, yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Cont- continuing on from last season. Yeah, he's, uh, like, he's been a different player he? since I'd say, I'd say since lockdown, but certainly since well, you've uh, it's, gone it's, to wing backs. Yeah, I was going to say since the formation changing it, but yeah. I like I like the look of Manning as well. I was pleased we yeah. sent him. No, I know. I thought that I, I feel a bit. I felt a bit sorry for Manning last night because I thought he played really well and then Bidwell came on and played 10 minutes and got another assist. Cool. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he, he, was, he was like the dog pissing up the lamppost when he came yeah. on when he was like, this is my fucking territory. Irish yeah, yeah, but, you know, you know, as you said, at the same time, these players are new. They probably haven't got a lot of game time under their belts. He came in, he played well. Um, and and yeah. Bidwell's got some company. He's got some opposition, you know. He's got someone yeah. to fight for his place yeah. and he knows, and he knows other, that. Yeah. The other thing with Manning as well, I, he can play more than that one position. Yeah, the fact he looks yeah, the fact he looks a cracking little player, and he can give us options elsewhere. And he can take free kicks. Yeah, yeah. Take free kicks. <laughs> he won't. He won't. Yeah. But he, can. <laughs> he played in midfield as well uh, previously. Um, yeah. If if anyone watched his uh, interview on Swans TV, he was uh, once a centre midfielder as well. So that. You know, not we were strong in our area, but if we ever find ourselves in the midst of a, an injury crisis, um, it's useful to have, isn't it? I think. Do you know uh, what, something I've, I've I've massively noticed this season, right? And I'm going to eat my words a little bit on this one. Is uh, and this is someone that I dug out all last season, and I've noticed a big difference this season. And that's Freddie Woodman. Now, yeah, is his decision making in the box? He looks a lot more composed. His distribution from the back, instead of just hooking it constantly now, he's passing it to feet, he's rolling it out, he's starting counter-attacks. He's a different, it's something that it's very clear that he's worked on that. And do I've noticed you, it big style. Do you, do like you his, think... Uh, his confidence levels are going up as well, don't he? In terms of yeah, his distribution yeah. uh, and playing out from the back, do you think it makes a difference to him having a, a back five, if you like, as opposed to a back four? Because when you plug them back with a back four, the centre-halves usually part and leave yeah, that big huge gap in the middle for the for the yeah. um the holding midfielder to drop in yeah. who is usually followed by a midfielder from the opposing team do you think having mm-hmm. the three at the back and obviously the the newer rule where you can start off in the box gives him that you know a bit of an element of safety a bit of a safety net to uh, to do it without fear of any mistakes like definitely another thing is as well right obviously now, against the four at the back, it's it's quite easy. If they, like you said, there, you split the centre backs, and you're either going to go to one or the other centre backs because your your right and left backs generally tend to press a bit further up. Now, yeah. at that point, yes, you are vulnerable. Um, if especially if you do have somebody on your holding midfielder, but when you've got your back three there, plus your holding midfielder is going to be floating somewhere ahead of that, and then your two wing backs. He's, first of all, he's got more options, but additionally, the opposition is never going to press five men because yeah, they're totally yeah. leaving themselves vulnerable at the back. And the, the speed that we've shown that we can move the ball up the pitch, all that space in behind, and then like um, mm-hmm. last night, Jamal Lowe was chasing all the lost causes, all the balls in behind. So no team is ever going to press a, fa- a back five. Maybe yeah. a four, they can do it, but a five, they're just leaving themselves too exposed. And it also gives him that safety net of options then because they're not going to get pressed as hard. Do, do, do you know what's vital um, to, to it all working well? And it was, it was evident in the first half against Stoke yesterday. Like If you asked me to sum up last season within, you know, in under five words, I would say lacking tempo and imagination. 
And those were two, two of the big things that we saw um, yesterday. Yeah, but that, that was my biggest complaint. I mean, you know, when, when we spoke about doing the pod, and I think I wrote on the start of the season, and my biggest complaint was for as well as we'd done and as steady as we'd been, we were nothing better than steady. Other than, you know, Wickham first half, I thought we were still quite flat. Don't think we were particularly entertaining, and it looked like we would just edge every game. Sure, where that performance came from last night. Well, let, let's let's go on to the Stoke performance yeah. because um, my pre-match prediction, I optimistically went for a one-all on my Super Six, um, and Alex, you touched on it earlier. If we if we were if I was going to envisage a victory, it it, it was going to be a scrappy kind of smash and grab. But I, I yeah. don't know how much like I'm haunted by the ghost of Stoke last season. Where they came yeah. to us with, um, I, I can't remember if they were on zero points or zero victories at the time. Yeah. It was definitely zero victories. Um, and Nathan Jones was under a lot of pressure when he and they, they came and beat us uh, after we took an early lead. So I, I kind of hey, listen, um, it, you know, Stoke. Sorry. So Sam Clucas turned into Messi for a game as well, the prick. Yeah, yeah, well, twice, twice a uh, season. Yeah, he was absent yeah. yesterday, so um, he probably yeah, turned over to watch Emmerdale uh, after about five minutes, I reckon. I just think, boys, for the uh, for the first time in a while, I think there was genuine rotation and outplay. Um, there was constant runners off the ball. There was a better yes. tempo to everything that we were doing. Um, our passing was crisp, and we looked like we went forward with a purpose. Yeah. One of my, you know, I, I try, I try not to be negative, but one of my complaints has always been we, we look like we lack energy compared to other teams. Yeah. Um. But yesterday, I just thought, I thought they were outstanding for the first minute, and I, I've, I've got to stick to it because I've always said that over the course of a season, if you play well, you'll pick up results, and I'd rather see us play well and not win at times, knowing that you'd be entertained. And yesterday, when there was about ten minutes left, I Jeremy sat and thought, you know what? Even if we don't win this, I've enjoyed every single minute that I've watched. Because yeah. the intent has been there throughout. And I didn't enjoy the first five minutes because we kept passing it to the bloody advertising yeah. holder. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I've seen a tweet. I've seen a tweet. We'll come on to that later. <laughs> well, you know, let's make no mistake. Stoke got a decent start. Um, you know, in terms of attempts, I think we were more direct yesterday. As Alex reiterated, we were moving off the ball. But we were more direct. We had 18 goal attempts yesterday. Stoke had three. Yeah. Right? Um, Freddie Woodman was... Just, just, just a, a bystander. spectator. He was a spectator yesterday. So, you know, you look at things. What do we do wrong? What do we do right? I just think there's plenty more energy. Dan does outstanding. First, first hour, really good. Um, go on, Al. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I think it's our most. For me, it's our most accomplished home performance under Cooper. No, it's, it's the, the, thing, it's the, the only first, thing that worries yeah. me. The only thing that worries me, right? All in goal attempts, dominating performance, Stoke. Completed more passes than us. Did they? 
He did. Norris, I what was know. your um, what? How how do you reflect on Yandanda's performance? Because for me, he starts games, and I think he was it was the case last season as well. He starts a game so brightly, but tends to burn out long before the game is uh, is finished. Would you say that was the case yesterday, guys? Yeah, yeah, yes. And um, you know, when he arrived from Liverpool, uh, scored in his debut with Sheffield United, I believe, on it. So okay. you know, what yeah. big things we expected. He's good on the ball. He can pick a pass. He, he moves quickly, mm. um, and big things. But, but, but with Danda, as, as you said, he, he's so frustrating. It's as if one minute he's there and he's controlling things, the next minute he goes missing. Yeah. Uh, when it's not going his way, I think he's a momentum player. But, I think. But, when we, but you know what I think quite, happens yeah. quite often is is um, I think the dynamic of the game changes. Yeah. He's, he starts well, um, and we have to remember that he's an attacking midfielder. And, you know, for those of us who play the game and especially played attack in midfield, you know what it's like as a forward player where you've had a crack in first half, there's naturally going to be a reaction from the opposition whereby as a number 10, uh, you're always going to be less effective in the second half because you're going to have to, you're going to, have to do your donkey work. Anyway. Yeah, 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 I get that. But, but again, I, I just think, I think it's game time as well. You know, yeah, he's yeah, coming yeah. in, he's doing yeah. the job next minute, he's on the fucking bench. Yeah. Cooper needs to start. He did it last year, didn't he? I can't remember. Was it Charlton he came in against? The last both games, and he scored in both games outside the box, four man away. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I think it was Charlton he came in against last year at home. Uh, Aaron, correct me if I'm wrong. And he played really well, and we thought, "Ooh, that'll be dander him for a couple of weeks now." And uh, we didn't see him after it. So Uh, it's a couple of tweets yesterday. I think think the, the one thing I said is after about 30 minutes when we were texting the group. We said Danda's been excellent, but I said you probably won't see him for the next sixty. Yeah. And then on Twitter, people are saying you probably won't see him for the next three months. And I, I wonder. I, I, sorry, I feel a bit sorry for him. I wonder if, when we've had a good first half where he's been heavily involved, like he was yesterday, I do wonder that if when the second half comes and for the first ten to twenty minutes we are under pressure, I do wonder if having to to do. You know, having not so much of the ball then from the from the minutes forty-five to about sixty, I do wonder how much that disrupts his flow. Yeah, I was going to say, it's and then he struggles well, then to get back into the game. I think that's what you want to see from Danda. You think you want to see him doing it over a longer period in the game. Um, but you look at the way he played yesterday. For me, he's one of our most intelligent footballers. Um, the space he takes between the lines. Um, it sounds daft. He played in the ta- he played in the sort of tender. He played attack in midfield. You give us a bit of width as well, especially yeah. in the first half, exploiting the spaces between the sort of full back and the centre half. Um, and he got us going. He, he picks good passes. He makes good runs. Yeah. But like he's you said, I think he's unpredictable. Yeah. And, yeah, he's, and it's what we need. Especially, yeah. yeah, especially against a team like Stoke, right? You know, the scruffy bastards. You know, yeah. you're going to get. They can be physical. When you've got someone running off the ball, picking passes, being creative, unlike Matt Grimes, then you know things are going to happen. But yeah, I'd like to see him have a running team. Yeah, I mean, I'd, I'd be shocked if he doesn't start the next game. If he does, I, then yeah. fucking hell. I think um, I think he's inconsistent within a game itself. But what he gives you, which our other midfielders don't really, apart from maybe Gibbs White, is he gives you that bit of flair and creativity and yeah. imagination. Think, yeah, imagination, imagination and yeah. all right, it, it doesn't always come off, but the intent is always there to try and hurt teams, um, yeah. and we lack that yeah. at times. And he, he gives us that. We need that. Yeah. We need that. Otherwise, yeah. we're flat. You know, yeah. we need Dander on our pitch. We've lost uh, Selena. You know, Gibbs White, yeah. unfortunately, was he got a broken metatarsal for three months. Yeah. You know, he's looked lively, pick a pass, not scared to do something. 
rather than passing sideways or forwards. He, he, you know, he's looking to pick, do something different. Mm. Yeah, I think, uh, so, I think it's important for Dan as well. Sorry to interrupt, boys, but um, obviously you've got Casey Palmer in and he can play in the sort of same role as well. But I don't know if you've seen the news coming out of Bristol City in the last 24 hours that um, Andrew Weinman has done his ACL. And there's obviously a recall clause um, for Bristol City to call him back in January. Going on to Casey Palmer, it was nice to see him get his first goal yesterday off a bench. Player we've been chasing for a while. Brought him in on deadline day. Um, what's everyone's views on our deadline day this year? Shocking, and, and not in a bad way. Like Shocking <laughs> as in, um, yeah. oh my God, yeah. we've done something. I am. I'm not, a fan, I'm not a fan of deadline day. I'm not a fan of doing business on deadline day. I think, you know, whenever historically we've done our best business, we've always been prepared going into window. Everything's been thought out, but I think as a deadline day, it was needed. Yeah, um, yeah. You know what? Yeah. Playing stuff we needed, strengthening yeah. the squad, always crying out for the big squad, going into the championship because mm. you've, you know, you've got, um, you've got options. And, and yeah. at the moment, we've, we've got options. We've even got yeah, players absolutely. fighting for players' position, which is exactly what we need. Well, we've obviously brought in four. The only one we haven't seen yet is that latter boot, yeah. Um, but the oh, other three well players, pronounced. yeah, thank you. Oh, <laughs> um, table, it yeah. could be, it could be completely wrong. But um, the other sounds three, like French. Sounds like the French word for last, and eh? Ooh, look at the way let the booty. But uh, every other signings come in will compete for the first level, and um, and certainly all add something. What is let the booty? Is a right back in him, right or centre? Yeah, right yeah. or centre, right I believe. Back. Yeah, it, 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 it tells you something um, about Cooper's intentions going forward then regarding our formation, um, where, where he sort of brought in two, two full-backs, if you like, or wing-backs, yeah. because, you know, it, it's spoken about often in football that when you, when you play the system we are currently playing, it will take it out on your wing-backs because they have to do so much running during any one game. So you do need to have backups. I mean, point in case with Man City when Pep came in and he started using wing backs, you know, they they, they always had um, good quality backups to come in. So I think he's going to yeah. stick with the formation for a while. And he, well, um, it also says something we haven't really got any wingers. Yeah, so, yeah, exactly. I mean, so not much natural width. I think Bennett on a free was the biggest surprise for me. Yeah. I think that's the deal that yeah. pleased me the most. I, I think he's the, the kind of, you know, no disrespect, he's the kind of wanker we need in our team. Like, yeah. Where did he come from? Wolves. 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 Yeah, Wolves. 
Yeah, he's over, yeah, over, over the years, like, yeah. Yeah, he's played a fair bit from, yeah. They but he's got a uh, he? some bucks. And know, he's 30. What is he, like 29, 30? 30, yeah. Good experience. Um, is, it's, but, a, it's a no-risk transfer by Zad as well, because, like I said, it's a free transfer, and the only fee is payable if if we sort of get promoted yeah. and it's performance-related, yeah. do you know what I mean? And, you know, it's, it's one of those... Like, made, yeah. you know but mean? let's face it, he's, he's, a, he's a captain on that field, isn't he? Yeah, 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 he is. You watch him from his first game, he's come in and he's all really, yeah. around, he's boss people. Did, did, anyone, did anyone see his interview on uh, Swans TV? No. He, he's, he spoke very well. You could tell by listening to him that he was, he was definitely going to be that kind of character in the dressing room was older than some of the others and was, you know, if, if anyone needed yeah. to be told in there, he's the kind of character who'd tell them, do you know what I mean? So, and that's exactly what we need, I think. It translates on the pitch. He's, um, you can see already, he's very solid, he's very reliable. And I was concerned on that front. when Whenever we lost Mike van der Horn and we knew he was going, mm. I was thinking, oh God, you know, he was, he was always really steady and solid at the back, unshakable, um, you know, he never flapped, and Bennett is sort of in these early signs. He's showing that that those same characteristics. He's very cool. He's very calm, very collected. There's no flapping, and and at the same time, he's got that no nonsense approach as well. Not much gets by him. Yeah. Then I say, boys, that that deadline day has added to a very good transfer window. I think so. Yeah. Um. But but let's let's talk about the elephant in the room. Broad yeah. Eleven million. Um, discuss time will tell um, I don't know I think I was like most people when it was announced as 11 million I was angry um, please was I, I think I think I speak for every Swans fan when I say please frame on a personal level oh, 100% fantastic you know the same sort of level of pride as I you know as, as when Dan James joined United and, yeah. and started off really well there Um but but from from the club's point of view, I think I think we've sold ourselves short a little bit. Um, when you consider eleven million, eleven million probably bought you a, an average, a good Premier League player at the, at the turn of the century. Do you know what I mean? It's only it's only four million above what Man United paid for Andy Cole in '96. You're looking at so, um, you're looking at Joe on being worth less than Dan James, worth less than McBurney. Um, and for me, he was better and more prepared. Um, than those two, yeah. Ability-wise, I yeah. do. I do wonder if if his recent injury record, and it can only 100%. be recent because he's you know he's in the early stage of his career, has has really helped Daniel Levy in a in a negotiating sense, whereby he's gone, look, we're willing to pay this. It's a risk on our part, given the injuries he's already accumulated in his career. Yeah. Um, and the Swans have kind of hiked their skirt up a little bit and gone, oh, go on in. I think, um, I, have anyone, has anyone seen Winter's interview? Julian Winter's interview? No. So I, his point's quite poignant, and I think that's why I said time will tell whether it's good business or not. Um, so Winter basically said, look, you know, Rodon wanted to leave, naturally. You know, he, he didn't make kick, kick or make a fuss. He was completely professional about it, but it's a great opportunity for him that we didn't want to get in his way. Um, but for us to bolster the squad, we needed him gone. And we needed to get a deal done because we needed to get Ben to the door and to get Man into the door. We needed to take a price. And all right, we know he was worth more than the 11 million. But had we not taken the 11 million, we'd have been stuck with the player who obviously had eyes elsewhere and would have been professional, would have given his all. But yeah. then we'd have been, you know, short elsewhere um, and not able to add 
where we needed to with signers that we really wanted to make as well. Um, so he said, like he said, we don't we feel his value is worth more, but in that moment we had to make a decision, and we felt the best thing to do was that 11 million allows us to bring in your Bennett, allows us to bring in your man in. And, yeah. and progress through the season. So, yeah, listen, I think, you know, in terms of Joe Roden here, right, you know, there's two things to look at. All these fucking idiots on Twitter, right? Oh, I were 25, 35 million, 40 million. Mm. Doesn't work like that. Daniel no. Levy's, he's come in, he's had a look, he's risky. It's a big risk, right? You know, we know that, they know that. Virtual have known, virtual have known what price we just And virtual have known what we needed. Listen, Joe Roden wants to move, okay? He's a big risk. 11 million pounds, yeah, okay, yeah, it's fucking awful, you know, in reality, looking at about 25 million for me personally, right? Yeah, 25 I would have been pleased with, but it comes at a risk for Spurs as well. He's unproven in the Premier League, okay, he's injured all the time, let's be honest. Yeah, he's missed, missed, missed three months of each season, hasn't he? Big I, potential, I, massive loss, but 11 million pounds, and I can understand like said, where they're coming from 100%. Like I said, you know. You look at his move with complete and utter pride. You you wish him nothing but the best, but you know I hope he's worth. I hope he proves he's worth a lot more than eleven million. So I want him to go and have a good career yeah, for Spurs and Wales and learn from Mourinho. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. You know that's that's besides the argument. It's great, yeah. it's great for Wales, but I, I've yeah. got this romantic sort of uh, vision of the future that I won't let myself think about too much. Whereby we get promoted, Sheffield United get relegated. Joe Roden and Dan James struggle for games at their club and we get the three of them in on loan for the season with options to buy and we get the fucking band back together. I wish yeah. you know? and, and Joe Allen's uh, on his way back as well in the contract. But, but yeah, there's, there's a lot of things that got to go fucking right and wrong for that to happen. But, yeah. uh, did, did anyone see uh, Cooper's interview? Sorry, but another thing oh, to consider Cooper. there with that Roden transfer, right, is we have to remember that um, Trevor Birch just recently joined Spurs as yeah. well. And he yeah. knows our club's yeah. financial situation top to bottom. And I personally think as well, they they can use that to their advantage because yeah, as much as, good. you know, they he knew very recently what the, the club's financial situation was. And he, he's probably said to Daniel Levy, look, this is what they need. If you go in at that sort of mark, they'll pretty much accept it. And... As much as the, the club could have dug its heels in, they, they would have just gone, all right, we'll walk away. And they had us by the bollocks to a degree. Yeah, and yeah. I, I reckon Birch would have had a, yeah. a part to play. 100%. In. And there's another, there's another element there. There's another element there, boys, as well, where we, um, where we got caught out as well. It's like you said, you've got the Birch element. Daniel Levy's obviously a wily sort of operator. But the other fact is deadline day is coming a really bad time for us because it's come in the middle of an international window. So from Spurs' point of view, there's absolutely no rush to get that deal done because he wasn't going to be available for a while anyway. So it, it meant they didn't have to force him through. He wasn't going to go straight into their squad. They could wait until the very last minute, which they did, knowing we would have to cave. And that's what they done. They waited and waited and waited until we caved. Finishing up on Raw, done, boys. Um, when you when when the transfer window started, his name would have been nowhere near the top of Jose Mourinho's uh, shopping list, should we say? Um, and I, I do wonder how much you know they, they've sort of struggled to secure higher profile targets, especially because of the um, you know the financial crisis around COVID nineteen. And, you know, I do wonder at what point has, has Birch gone to Mourinho. Hey, look, good young lad, the Swansea with a lot of potential. Um, West Ham on the corner sniffing about. 
get it done, you won't regret it. You know, I wonder, I wonder has Birch had more of an influence in that transfer than just, you know, this is what they'll sell for, make a bid. Do you know what I mean? He's had a massive influence, Gun. You know, let's be honest. You know, people are not looking at the, the facts here. You know, Birch has gone there. You know, like, like Aaron reiterated, he knows our club inside out. He knows exactly who Joe Roden and, and everything else, our financial situation. He's gone there. And they've done one on us, let's be honest. But I wish him all the best. You know, he wanted to move too. So, good on him. I really hope it's a success. I think exactly. if you forget the fee and you look at our transfer window objectively, if you look at the players we've brought in, look at the players we've lost and ignore any fees, I think you'd be happy with the business that's been done. And Absolutely. hopefully that would be the last impression. I think the last thing to say on Road Dunboys is, um, did anyone see Cooper's interview um, the day after he left? He was questioned about the fee and he basically batted off the fee and just said, look, he said the boys come back from international duty and he's been absolutely class. He's knocked on my door and he said that, look, obviously if Spurs do make an offer that's accepted, it is a, a move I'm interested in. It's a move you know, that I would, that would go take, take up with. Um, but he said if the move doesn't go ahead for any reason, he said, I'll be more committed than ever. I'll work harder, harder than ever and I'll be delighted to still be part of the club. And yeah. Cooper, they couldn't speak highly enough. Uh, it probably speaks volumes of the boy as well, doesn't it? Yeah. yeah, yeah listen, boys, you, you know, normal window for us. We, we sell our fucking back four and buy a goalkeeper. Do you know what I mean? So, you know, we this is the most productive window we've had. Yeah. I read, I read a very year. interesting article on The Athletic about uh, Joe Roden and it, it kind of gives a glimpse into his, um, his sort of mentality and his desire to become a professional football player. He was... Um, yeah. Working hard to get into the Wales under-16s, I believe. Might have been the 18s, but, you know... And um, he received a letter through the door from the Welsh FA. And um, the letter confirmed that he hadn't made the squad. And the first thing that Joe Roden did with that letter was take it to his bedroom and pin it to his door. And, and basically used it as motivation. Um, which, which probably says you know, a lot about his mentality. And it's kind of mentality he's uh, going to need to make it a Spurs, I think. So... Best of luck yeah. to him, really. Good luck to him. Best of luck to him. So he's got all the attributes to be a world-class player in my eyes. Not a good yep. player. He's yep. got all Same. the attributes. Stay fit. Get game yep. time with Spurs. Needs a bit Good of luck choice. with injuries and uh, he'll kick on from there, I reckon. Yeah. And Topi Alderweireld isn't going to be a Spurs for forever. So, you know, there's a space opening up for him eventually. So, best of luck to him. Project big picture. Um, since we've checked this on the agenda, it's, it's been given a, a vote of no confidence as such. And um, not privy to the details of it myself, um, but Al, I, I think you were. Yeah, it's frustrating. Um, <laughs> Put it right on a spot for there, and I am no, like, like the striker. Then it's too pussy to take a penalty and has handed it quickly to the, the midfielder. Like the problem you've got, the biggest problem I've had with project big picture because it. It will be readdressed. It's it's got a no, but it will come back and be discussed. There's a lot of good points. Um, there's a lot of points which are good for the EFL, um, but I think the timing of it during COVID, it very much smacks of like everyone says a money grab. Um, it's essentially a we know 
I know we know English football needs restructuring. We know there's an unfairness um, and inequality with money. Um, we know that EFL clubs at risk are going bust, not just because of COVID, because of the general setup. And we want to address all these points. But to address all these points, you use what we want in return. And what we want is the ultimate say in the running of English football. And they wanted extra um, voting rights. Yeah. So I don't know if you know the rule of 14 in the Premier League at the moment. Go on. So anything that passes in the Premier League, 20 clubs get an equal vote and you need a majority of 14 um, to get a vote in motion through. Um, so they've effectively changed that to say well, only nine clubs will get a vote to begin with. And that's the nine longest serving clubs, which is effectively your big top sticks. I think it's Everton, Southampton and... One other, West Ham, wherever they are. Can, yeah, West Ham. I apologise to West Ham. Um, and of those nine teams, you need a majority of six. So effectively, the big six could vote whatever they want through. Six. Yeah, yeah. Um, it also gives them um, the right to renege on laws, which means they can pass laws now for the good of the game. But those six have then got the powers to change those laws. <laughs> um, so it's you know there's a lot of things that you're uncomfortable with. Um, they wanted to drop the community shield. I don't know if you've seen Gary Neville's um, point on this the other day. You know, you, you can do the community shield at any point, like they do abroad. They do, they, do, they do it midweek and you can do it whenever you want. But ultimately, that's a competition that raises money for charity. So something doesn't sit quite right. Um, yeah. And they wanted to scrap the um, Carabao Cup or the, you know, the EFL Cup, whatever it's going to be called when there's no sponsor. Um, but it's quite clear. And, the, and, and obviously dropping the league from 20 to 18 as well in the Premier League. Um, so what you're doing as a Premier League club is you're dropping four games a season um, for everybody. You're dropping Carabao Cup games for everybody. And you're dropping the Community Shield game for um, two clubs as well. They've now, very much seen as an opportunity to, de- to deal with their fixture congestion and, and focus more on European competition. Yeah, and that's the point. Is There's not one point is the intention there to reduce, our fixture, reduce the fixtures because there's too many fixtures. It's reduced our fixtures. We can either shorten the season and go on more world tours, more financial gains, or we can increase European competitions. Now, um, UEFA have discussed previously about adding extra games in and extra four games in, I believe it is, for all they, teams. They did it, didn't they, a couple of years um, ago. If, if, if you cast yeah. your mind back to the early to mid noughties, the Champions League, for a small period, went to a stage where you, you we went through group two group stages before yeah, the knockouts. Yeah, it was six games and six games, wasn't it? And into the quarters. Yeah. Meant that. Um, yeah, and that, that's what it was when I, when I grew up. Um, so there's a, there's a lot of points which have got merit. Um, and there's a lot of points which support the Football League. But I think you're reducing the Premier League size, which I don't, it's not, I'm not very comfortable with that personally. Um, you're, you're increasing the revenue from 4% to 25%. But you're also stopping parachute payments. Um, and I think the argument is that they say, look, because of parachute payments, you can come up to the Premiership and overspend. But if you're a Championship club and you come up and you know there's no parachute payments and you've got these teams, you know, spending 20 million, 30 million on players, and you you can't you can't go and offer somebody a three-year contract because if you go straight back down, you know, you're knackered. You've got no safety net. So what you're effectively doing is putting, you know, you've got 16 teams in the Premiership and you're kind of closing off competition from the leagues below. Yeah, Mm -hmm. so what you're doing is you're saying we need fairer competition, we need to make sure below you can compete, but we want to make sure you can't compete at our level. Um, 
And when it comes to things like parachute payments and you know the distribution of your revenue from the Premier League, um, I think it was again, you know, I, I'd seen quotes in anyway, and Gary Neville summed it up the other day, and, and he basically said, look, he said, you've got Crystal Palace who've been in the Premier League for a few years, and you've got their chairman criticising the fact that why should we give our revenues out? But you'd argue that Stoke had been in the Premier League for longer and contributed to that Premier League. Yeah. You know, they, they are part of the reason the Premier League is, is what it is, and you yeah, know, like yeah, Stoke, a lot of them. They have, Stoke ourselves. Uh, yeah, ourselves, exactly. You know, you're kind of saying that now you're gone. You've done nothing to contribute and we deserve. Um, so I think I'll come back to the four. But I think the biggest problem for me from minute one was it very much looked like a proposal that was set up to fail. Um, yeah. And by that, I mean, look, we know there needs to be things addressed. We're going to give you a ludicrous proposal, which you're never going to vote through. And when you don't give us what we want, we can then turn around and say, well, we tried. Look at this European competition we can create. And it's like a threat. Yeah. It, yeah, yeah. It's, it's very fucking manipulative, really. Yeah. I mean, listening to your explanation of it, Alan, and I have to say, you, your understanding of it is first class um, and the way you've explained it, it comes across as very manipulative. Yeah. You know, um, they, they've really, um, you know, the, the wolf dressed in sheep's clothing, is that the saying? Uh, it's like a complex older bollocks to me. I don't think it's ever going to work. Um, when they said the, the Premier Clubs isn't as beyond. How's that going? How's that going to benefit the Championship clubs? Yeah, really big one. All the league too. Um, it's not. It's not set up fundamentally to support them clubs. It's the same point for Championship clubs as to why the Premier League clubs didn't agree a bailout for Championship clubs financially, because they are the ones who could threaten your Premier League clubs so if you've got your lower end Premier League clubs helping bail out championship clubs they're ultimately the ones who could take their place in a year um, so they were happy to fund League 1 and League 2 and, and I think that's what it comes back to isn't it you know everyone will do what's right for them yeah um, and yeah it's just it's, um, it's a shame because like you said there's, there's a lot of good and there's a lot of merit in some of the proposals but ultimately, it feels like there's good and merit in the proposals, so we've got a reason to grab that bit of extra power. Just to um, just to weigh in on this as well, right? And this this might be a little bit of tin hat conspiracy theorist in me there, in me, in me you know, but the main two players in this um, project, big picture, were sort of Man United and Liverpool. Yeah. Now, the interesting thing is as well there is that they've both got American owners. Yeah. American owners like our own, don't understand the passion and, and the, the emotional no. investment that, that British fans make into their football clubs. They treat them very much as businesses where they can. They're a franchise. Um, yeah, absolutely. Franchise. Yeah. Now, sort of, I, I, it was very obvious that this project, Big Picture, was an attempt at a, a, an absolute power grab by those clubs. And I think this is where my conspiracy theory comes in a little bit, is that I think for them it was going to be, right, we either get this or we're going to fuck off and create this European yeah. Super League. Now, the interesting point that I heard today was, because uh, the, these rumblings now about this European Super League, they're getting louder and louder and louder and louder. Interestingly, today now, it's been announced that uh, Joseph Bartomeu, the yeah. president of Barcelona, who's just about to end his term, has been appointed by FIFA to, to join this committee for the European Super League. Now, that, that's for me, that's a big step by FIFA to say, look, we're going to ratify this and, and well, we're going to approve he, yeah. this to happen. 
well, I don't know if you've seen his interview, um, and he, he sort of leave in speech. He said that obviously, blah blah blah, I'm going. Um, but he said, look, there's big news for big financial news for Barcelona, big financial opportunities that mm-hmm. we've given the green light for us to join the European Super League. Yeah. Um, and I think ultimately, you know, it'll it'll come back to um, for us, real football will always be your local clubs and your local communities. Yeah. Um, but the people who ultimately run football, your you know, your powers that be, your, your money men. They, they don't look at football clubs. They don't look at communities. That's not their number one priority. Their number one revenue. priority is revenue, money, yeah. money, do you know, money. Do you know what, though, boys? What's good for us? What makes us richer? What gives us more money into our clubs? Do you know what? Do you know, do you know when you got kind of like United and Liverpool kind of flexing their muscles and kind of making these, um, these threats? I, I kind of think, like, go on, then. Off you fucking go. go. Yeah. yeah, I put a tweet because, out the other night. said, because, go on, do it. Because it'll bite yeah. in the yeah, because I think the Premier League is a strong enough competition to flourish without them. Now, mm-hmm. where I would worry for the rest of Europe is if, if Bayern Munich and Borussia Dortmund make the same move, yeah. right? The Bundesliga, I don't think, is a strong enough league to, to flourish without them. Take Ajax from Holland. Yeah, Ajax PSV, same, same applies. Don't get me started on Scottish football without Rangers and Celtic. It's non-existent. <laughs> So I, I think as, as watchers and consumers of the Premier League, we're in an advantage position to say to Liverpool and Man United, well, go on and fuck off. Because I'm more than happy to watch Everton versus Southampton. Yeah. I'm yeah. more than happy to watch Leicester and Arsenal and Spurs. You know, it's a league that's full of massive clubs with massive histories. So if Liverpool and Man United want to go, go and do you think do you think all of uh, Liverpool and Man United's plastic fan base are going to be travelling to to Munich and then the next week yeah. travelling to Barcelona? Uh, it's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. Absolutely not. They can't. They can't leave the London Borough currently. If, they, so. I don't know if you've seen. Have you seen that the proposals the proposals are not to ditch the Premier League. The proposals are to create an extra European competition. So effectively, what oh, you'll do is we, we we we'll have a cake. But we'll eat it too. You know, we'll we'll still yeah. stay in the Premiership. We'll so, still enjoy so the spoils. But we'll um, have this amazing competition extra. Yeah. So it's, it's so it's, just to appeal to the Chinese. That's all they're trying to do is get the Asian revenue. But so by creating this big grand league with all the star-studded, you know, the, the, the Asians, right? And I'm not I'm not trying to sort of stereotype or anything here. Fanatical. Yes, they they're fanatical, and these superstars they idolise them, and they know this. So by tapping into this team, you know, this all-star league with all the world stars and stuff in it, it's appealing to the Asian league. Uh, sorry, not the Asian league, the, the, the Asian audience and market. And then they know that these, these boys will spend big money to go all over the world watching these yeah, clubs. Yeah. And, and that's it, all it's for. It wouldn't yeah, be it, it, it wouldn't it's in Sorry, looking into a global billion-pound fucking franchise is going to ruin our modern game. Yeah. Simple yeah. as that. And it wouldn't, and it wouldn't be unheard of, and it wouldn't surprise anyone to see a European Super League played out in Shanghai. No, absolutely. 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 You know, we all remember the fiasco of the 39th game. Yeah. Um, and we know, we know why that's there. I know they say you know, it's a global game now, and the Premier League's a, a global competition. Um, but ultimately, in the nicest way possible to us, it isn't. Um, the English divisions for us, you know, is... is it's what we watch and it's our teams and our communities and you try and take the best clubs in the country away from the fans. Um, yeah. Away from the fans who go week in, week out and for nothing more than money. And yeah. that's the main yeah. part. It's, you can cover and it you know anywhere. It's money. Old Trafford, Anfield, 
um, in terms of the crowd it attracts every week will still be propped up by middle-aged men or men in his 60s and 70s that were in those fucking stands propping yeah. player teams before Premier League money ever came into yeah. Good point. And, um, I, and you know, it's it's them the ones you have to feel sorry for more than the younger generation, really. So let's hope it falls If it did come around as well, right? I would hope that those those fans that go and watch Man United and Liverpool and all that pick a local team and support a local team and boost them up with the numbers and the revenue and things like that. Like I don't know, Man United fans, they could go and support Salford and try and boost them up. Or well, I don't think so, I don't think Salford need it. Do they? I think. Oh. I think I think the, right, um, the FC United of Manchester or or Barry's Phoenix Club would definitely yeah, need it. Barry FC. Oh, exactly. Yeah, you know something yeah. like that. I'd like I'd love to see some sort of um, some rebellion, sort of yeah, boost <laughs> in that way. But the thing is, right? Even if Man United and Liverpool did fuck off, that vacuum would be filled by other clubs. Would, because yeah. there's still a lot of wealth and a lot of might in the Premier League. Yeah, I genuinely think the Premier League would be absolutely fine without those two clubs. Agreed. Yeah, definitely, and I, I, I think it will fall flat in his face, but, uh, yeah, you know, let's not, let's not give it any more airtime, don't shit. Hey, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, that that, that's up that one. Um, we've, we've, we've discussed the uh, start of the season, lads. But, but, but what was everyone's hopes going into it? Truthfully, right? You know, right? We've had, we've had the usual start. We've had the usual first international break, and then the usual <laughs> fucking kick-up. Exactly. Right. So that that's out the way. Now, what happened last season? Obviously, after that first international break, up until late in the massively. season. We, we, we were just in wilderness for a very, very long time. We were just sort of like drawing here and there, you know, picking up the odd three points, one nil wins. and it, it wasn't particularly exciting. We were just sort of like steady eddies, a typical sort of mid-table club until that late resurgence and, and Wayne Routledge being the wonderful man that he is. But this season now, if we're really, really going you know, to give it the beans, then we need to, that wilderness period, we now need to be competitive in that wilderness period because then later on when we have the inevitable in, you know resurgence if because if we are there or thereabouts obviously they're going to go for it but in that wilderness period get some real consistency and that could be you know the difference instead of just sneaking into the playoffs that could potentially be the difference between sneaking out of the playoffs into the automatics and you know, you never know. You never know. But I do I, think we're yeah. a different outfit this season. Yeah, I think I, um, I think we do look a year wiser. I know we've yes. got a lot of young heads. We do look a year wiser in how Definitely. we play. Um, I think we are one of a number of clubs that, if they perform well, should be looking at minimum playoffs. Um, and I, I say that because at the start of the season, I said, look, I'd be quite happy for um for top half. I think we're going to be decimated again in the transfer window, and we weren't. Um, we've done thoroughly impressive business. We've got um, competition in every area of the pitch now. Um, I th- still think we lack a genuine striker. We'd like to see what Jokra is, um, you know, if he comes good or not. Um, but he's probably our only leading real striker. Um, but I think we've 
got some very good players, and in certain positions, there are players that I wouldn't swap for anyone else in the division. Um, yeah, and, so, and, and going on to our squad and strikers, what, what is different this season to last, obviously because of the, uh, the delay in the start of the season, is we're far closer to the January window now than we, uh, we would have been previously. So, you know, the, the opportunity to strengthen our squad further comes quicker than it did last year. So, yeah. Um, yeah, we'll see what happens, but I, I, I couldn't I couldn't add anything to what Aaron and Alex have already said, to be honest. Well, yeah, same you, same you. Sorry, um, Aaron, same you, you know, as Aaron said, I wasn't expecting a great deal. Um, we had that massive start last season at the top of the league, got win the leads and nabbed three points. So much optimism. And then, bang, wallop, you know, we went down to West Brom with Aaron and, and a few others and fucking hell, it, it was as if we were a different side. But for me, Cooper just changed so many players. He rotated far too much. We've got a squad now where we, we can get some structure. Um, I, I am hopeful of the playoffs. I am, but it's still early. We've got three big yeah. games coming up. I think we've got Black Absolutely. at home. Yeah, uh, that's what I was going to say. Blackburn, Blackburn home, Brentford away, and Norwich away. And yeah, that was so going to be my point. Is I think that we've had a really good start. There's no denying it. We're in a really good position. You know, Leeds, but Leeds I, are fucked yeah. off. They've gone up. Yeah. Brent, Brentford, another team they were. They've, they've lost Ben Rama and. Villa. I can't remember his name. I think our fixtures Holly so Watkins. far have been pretty kind. Holly Watkins, yeah. Yeah, yeah. That, that's that's a point going on to it. Our fixtures have been kind to us, but. So, uh, so we'll see. There's bigger tests to come in the next few weeks. So, so as an average, guys, we're all kind of hopeful of a playoff position again, and, yeah. and anything above that would be a welcome uh, surprise. Oh, listen, hundred percent. I think we should be definitely aiming for the playoffs at a minimum. Um, I don't think there's anyone in this league like Red, Red, and like fucking Barcelona at the minute. <laughs> they probably doing what we done last year. You know, they 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 playing well, and yeah. um, they've got a bit of bit of momentum. But as soon Just as hope they remember they're Red then. <laughs> Yeah, one, they one will. They will eventually. Yeah. But like I said, this is an open championship. We started well, which is, which is vital. We need to kick on with three points on Saturday. Um, I hope we don't bounce. That you've got the bounce factor. Stick with the same team. Let's go again. And that's the thing, Norris. You mentioned about you know it's backing up our performances now at home. Um, last year we really struggled at home. So yesterday's performance, as we discussed, was so pleasing. But you want to go and see us back up that strong home performance with another. Um, and and you know, dare I say, make it a bit of a fortress again. Um, we were difficult to play against other Liberty, and you know, hopefully, we can make that the case again. Go on, eh? yeah, definitely. One of the, one of the I, I'd like to see a bit of a a difference in terms of the mentality this season yeah. as well, and it sort of ties into what I previously said. Is um, that sort of wilderness period that I alluded to there in my last point? Now, I personally put that down to resting on our laurels a little bit because there's that old saying every season, oh, it's a long old season, it's a long old season, plenty of time, plenty of time. And I think if you adopt that mentality throughout the season, you're constantly thinking, oh, it's miles away, it's miles away. And we're just sort of like, you know, sort of treading water. And then it's like, oh, shit, it's the end of the season, we've got to pick it up now. Whereas now, I would like to see that winning mentality where they go into every game, it doesn't matter who we're playing, and I, you know, I want to see them sort of demonstrated on the pitch where they're saying, right, don't care who we're playing, the aim is to win. Win, win, win. Every single game. Yeah. And I'm sorry, think- if you haven't got that mentality, right? If you don't have that mentality where you go into every single game wanting to win, 
then you should not be a professional footballer. I agree. Yeah. I think that was my concern with our start of the season. I, I've always been the biggest Cooper fan and my only criticism has been the style of play. And I think the start of the season, my fear was, is that we've started the season as though you're in the middle of a season where it's going, right, let's be steady, let's not lose games. And let's try and nick games, let's keep points ticking along. And I think at the start of the season, it felt like we were just like ticking along already. Um, but like, it's also so refreshing by yesterday's performance and taking a game to someone and really forcing the issue. And I think that's what we want to see a lot more of. And I think fans in general, if we see performances like we did yesterday, results will come because of it. And when results don't come, it'll be an awful lot easier to take. Norris. Hello. If I told you that Matt Grimes was Swansea's answer to Thiago Alcantara, what would you say back to me? Um, probably couldn't repeat it on you too much, to be honest. <laughs> but um, So we're moving on to Matty Grimes, are we? Absolutely. That's why you're here, mate. We, we want a, an in-depth critique yeah. of our, our club captain. I, I, yeah, seem, yeah, I seem to be in a minority. It's, yeah, yeah, that's fine. You, you know, when everyone watches his performances week in, week out. He's our club captain. Um, tread carefully, but some of these people who no, think no, he's no, like, speak, don't tread carefully. Speak no, honestly. Speak uh, you, you know, for me, he's just way, way too predictable. Um, I know his stats speak for his own. You know, he, he can pass the ball 500 times a match, one twos, and that. He doesn't offer us anything going forward. His set pieces are diabolical. They don't seem to improve. And this is, you know, he's, he's on the corners. He's on our free kicks. We imagine we had someone who could actually miss that first fucking man. He, he's so frustrating, right? But he's Mr. Reliable, but he looks tired to me. He's really looking tired. Do you know what? Is, is he at 93 games at the moment? Yeah. Oh, fuck uh, yeah. Give him, give him a sit down for fucking 93. That's not 93 games, that's 93 full 90 minutes as well. I spent, I spent last season defending Matt Grimes, and, and I, to be honest, no, I am at a point where I think, you know, I agree, I agree with you. Especially this season, Great where that. we where we seem to have, um, we have more options in midfield or better options in midfield. Um, you know, yeah. I asked I asked you yesterday during a match why your midfield would three uh, midfield three would be without Grimes, and um, I think you went Fulton, Palmer, and Smith. Is that correct? Yes, correct. Yeah, it and, was. And, and do you know what? No problems with that. I mean, when, when, when we can put a midfield three in of Fulton, Palmer, and Smith. I, I think I think there's no excuse for not resting yeah. Grimes, and I I think that 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 would be my point of Grimes. I, look, I love Grimes. Um, Why? I've been his biggest advocate. I, Why? I just I just think he's steady in there. I think he controls us. What's I steady? don't. You, I don't. Al, Al, I don't sorry. think Al, sorry. Right. You can, you, can right. Up, you can pick up an average League One or Two player who can do the same fucking job as Matt Grimes. What does I he think do? He's, what I does think he's do very so well? What does he do so well? Wins more, ta- wins, wins more tackles than anyone in the division. 
oh, come interceptional on. passes. And no, look, stats are stats, right? And I, I know someone to turn around and go, stats are the be all and end all because they can be, um, they can be misleading. Um, but I think he is very unsung. I don't think he's played well this season. Um, I don't think well he, I, I thought he played right last season. He didn't play as well as he did under Potter. He had a better season under Potter than what he did under Cooper. Yeah, but I don't think he, was, yeah, he was he was superb yeah. under Potter. But one yeah. thing he was under Potter, he was a lot more aggressive going forward. And we were a lot more aggressive going forward. And I think that benefited him. And I think at the moment he's very safe. Um I get frustrated and I see people's frustration. But I think he does a lot of dirty work that doesn't that goes unnoticed. I think he wins us a lot of ball which goes unnoticed, and I do think he's quite calming. Um but like I said, I think what I would say about Grimes is we've got competition now. And I think his recent performances have to improve if he's going to continue playing as much as he does. Um and there's no denying, you can't turn around and say Grimes has been excellent this season because he hasn't. But I still think he's if he's playing well, and if we can get him playing well, I still think he's our yeah, um, agree, agree uh, right. one of our better players. But he's not at the moment. But and the Porter, and the Porter, he was half decent, right? I'll give him that. I wouldn't say he was excellent. I never class him in that category at all, right? His quality is fucking dreadful. I've watched it enough week in week out for me. But like you said, the work he does off the ball, I, I can see that, right? You know, he works hard. He gets his foot in. He gets booked every game, but. You know, for me, he, he needs a rest. He I, I, like he's he's played 90-odd league games in a row, full 90 minutes. So, as long as not denying, especially with the kind of pre-season we've had um, because of COVID disruptions, etc., that um, a rest is probably due. Um, I think with Bennett coming in as well, you've got a natural vice-captain for me. Yeah. Um, I think Fulton's performance doesn't help Grimes yesterday. Because Fulton's I thought Fulton, Fulton, as, as all, yeah, Fulton's an excellent, yeah, he's an excellent player as well. I know he's not the same role. But I think what you do is you you know you can still have Fulton in there and allow sort of Smith to come in can I, can and I do the grand ask a question. I know we we've been stuck for time. What's everyone's view? Why, why is Steve Cooper playing him ninety minutes every single fucking game of every I, single? I, I tell I you what, no, no, on, I tell you what. I, since since we brought Fulton into the conversation, I'll put this question out there just to round up this topic before we move on. Do you think we have a case of? two midfielders, Fulton and Grimes, where one is slightly overrated and the other is slightly underrated. Yeah. Yes. Massively overrated. Fulton doesn't get credit either. There we are. Fulton never doesn't impress me. There we are. Right. Here's here's a link into our next topic then because Jay Fulton's father, Steve Fulton, was a very hard player for hearts in his day like the tackle, and we, we put a question out on Twitter recently about our top three um, hard players that we've seen play for Swansea. We'll start with our guys before we get into our Twitter responses. Norris, over to you. A couple of strange ones here. Obviously, um, going back into the 90s, you've got Chopper Harris, Omar Garris, a tough cookie at the back. Did you, did you see him play, you know? Yes, I did. Yeah, yeah. Go on, then. for those of us, just, for those of us who didn't, give, give us uh, a of a tackle. Was he centre half? Was he? He was a centre half, chopper Harris, Yeah, chopper for a reason. He, he wouldn't shy, shy a tackle. He, yeah, he's yeah. a fucking animal. Um, Matthew Bound. I was thought yeah. Matthew Bound was a solid player. Um, again, didn't shirk a tackle. Centre half, solid in the air. Elbows everywhere. You know, broken noses, all sorts. Got a couple in that team, didn't you? You had Julian also up top in that team as well. It was yeah. uh, tasty. And I tell you, it was a fucking lunatic, boys. Remember this year, Rick Ben? He wasn't yeah. there long. Yeah. 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 Fuck this, yeah. 
Oh, lads, yeah. I tell you what, he'd fucking take some fucking legs off on a pitch. And he didn't stop on a pitch. In Wine Street, he'd be fucking taking his belt off and beating <laughs> the fuck out of everyone. I tell you, someone, ah, right who probably, someone who probably... Someone who probably got a notice, judging by the Twitter responses, is Leon Knight. Yeah. He's like a third Dan Black belt in some yeah, sort of martial but, art. But, but that kind of never manifested itself on the pitch today. No. I always, oh. I've always wondered with Leon Knight whether he's just a gobshite or not. Yeah. Oh, he's hard as fuck. Oh, yeah. I don't know. Oh, he's tough as fuck, honestly. Who's, who's your top three, eh? I don't know. I, I, oh, I, I don't even think I put anybody down because I was out on Twitter. Uh... Well, well, I'll, I'll go. I went, I went number three. I went Marty Bound. Oh, he's got order. In, in, yeah. in that team of the last sort of late 90s, which is, you know, where I was going sort of semi-regularly, he was kind of, not that i seen him scrapping as such, he, he just had that real hard um, aura of authority about him, do you know what I mean? Just an hard bastard look. He was, for me, he was our Julian Dix, do you know what I mean? You know, not a lot of air on his head, left, sweet left foot, rifled in, a, you know, rifled in the penalties and, and took no messing from any strikers. Um, yeah. in, in second for me was Andy Gurney just because he was an absolute yeah. dog yeah, yeah. Um, as, as brief as he you know, <laughs> he, he wasn't with us really for a long time was he I and number one, one me, throw oh sorry can't go on num- number one for me was, was Fairy Border and again yeah. never really yeah. saw him scrapping but he had that mentally unhinged look about him didn't he <laughs> do you know what I mean uh, psychotic like, you know and I'll always 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 remember and I know I've referenced it on the podcast before I remember the League Cup game at home to Cardiff the first yeah. time we played him in a long time you know the Yordi Gomez winner and there was a break in play and the stadium for the first time had kind of fallen silent and Joe Ledley was fucking gobbing off on the pitch I can't fucking remember right. if it was to other players or to fans or whatever it was a throw in wasn't it yeah, and I remember you're in because we were front row. I remember Border shouting something along the lines of "Oi, Joe, Joe," and Joe Ledley eventually looked back at Fairy Border, and Fairy Border didn't say anything. He just gave him a fucking stare, and he looked like the fucking hood from the Thunderbirds. You know that fucking <laughs> bald head and the weird stare, like and 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 Joe Ledley was like a little puppy that just retreated into the corner, and I think he barely touched the ball for the rest of the game. So. Yeah, that would be mine, Alex. What would yours be? I um, I didn't put in Matty Bound. I didn't put in Julian Allsop purely because I was seven, eight years old watching them. Um, so as much as I can remember, I might you know sort of uh, judgments a bit blurred at that age, isn't it? Um, I went for Kevin Austin. Yeah, just because he was just solid in everything he done. Um, Gurney. I don't know if any of you went to the Kidderminster away game on Boxing Day in 2005 or 2004 Boxing Day. Right. Did he get just, is it, you sent off, didn't he? Yeah, I think it was 2 0 up at the time or 1 0 up at the time. And yeah, he's just stuck your head in someone. <laughs> he's a fragment and not holding back. He's got up, he's planted the head straight on him. Um, and I went for Ferry Border as well. I think, like you said, it's just that unhinged look. And he had that nasty streak. Yeah. And I know it spilled over. I know there was that incident against Doncaster. He got sent off at home. For no reason whatsoever. The ball was 50 yards away and he stuck his head in someone. Oh, fuck that. Uh, his head could go. His head could go. I yeah. remember going over the top of the ball. Yeah, Leeds. Yeah. Unbelievable. He, he obviously had that challenge against Leeds um, back in League One in the 3-2 game, I think it was, in the end. Um, and that was stinking. But there was other times in tackles where he'd, he'd be dirty. And like, you, you almost get a sense that players were a little bit intimidated because yeah, yeah. he would do it. And, and do you know and the other thing I liked about him? on top of it. 
The other thing I liked about him, for, for a player who'd come over to play in a, a League One side, yeah. he wasn't shy about talking up his ability. No. I love that about him. I remember we, we signed him for like something like 50 grand and we, you know, we had him on the oh, and, and, and when we bought him, he'd come from a top, um, top division in Holland and, you know, Martin was saying, that's a premiership quality player here. And normally when you see transfers there, you think, ah, oh, they might have a bit of ability, but, are you, you know, you're being real. And then you look at him thinking, how are you playing in League One? Yeah. How are you playing in quality. League One? And he's, he, had eyes, he had eyes in the back of his head, fairly older, in all fairness. But, he, he, uh, obviously I, done the, he had that injury against Birmingham, Norris, and sorry, mate, he had that injury against Birmingham, and, and obviously it was awful as it was. And if, I remember he came on, I think, um, it was against Preston, possibly, when he made his comeback after however many months. Well, and he picked the ball up. Me. Yeah, he picked, picked, well, he did, but before that, he picked the ball up 35 yards from goal and smacked it, it's literally grazed the post. And then, he, he's, he's still outstanding, he's, he's just back, like, he's his yeah, first five minutes of football, he's... What what did uh, what kind of feedback do we get from Twitter for the Ardis bastards uh, in Swansea history? Uh, uh? We had quite a few people weigh in, and we had a few um, former players as well. The, the the recurring names over and over are Border, Kevin Austin, um, where are we? Ashley Williams has been thrown in there. Carl Chapman has said uh, Walter Boyd has to be up there with that left hook. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> Gurney is a recurring name over and over and over again. Someone else put Gurney was an horrible bastard. Um, <laughs> yeah. Obviously one I never obviously one that was mentioned on that I never got to watch, but your stories about is uh, Tommy Smith. Yeah, yeah, that's that's cropped up a few times yeah. on there. Um, Ashley Williams had to be in there because he nearly yeah. killed Robin Van Persie, didn't he? So Oh he was a tough he was a tough fucker. Listen, Ashley Williams yeah. was a tough, tough nut. street place. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. The, um, Lee Trundle jumped in and he nominated Kevin Austin in his time. And then uh, Mickey Edward said, uh, Boundy, oh no, I asked Matthew Boundy yeah. who's he nominating. And, he, and uh, Mickey Edward jumped in and said, no hard man has ever owned a pair of leather trousers. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> and uh, Matthew Bound has jumped back in. They were the nuts in my Manchester days. No, what, what, what I love most with that, boys, is I'm still stuck in a 12 or 13-year-old mindset where I can't even look at a minor celebrity, never mind a local footballer. Um, and, it, you know, I know my brother will spot a footballer and, and Aaron's the same, we'll just tag someone in it. And I still get excited if Lee Trundle likes one of my tweets and I've got to tell yeah. my wife about <laughs> it. And as you two, it's like, boys, what are you thinking? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's all right. Uh, maybe one day we'll get him on look, and we can just dedicate an episode to watching you tremble and piss your pants with the same yeah. I'd be one silent the, for the whole episode. <laughs> one other name that popped up a couple of times there, obviously before all our, before all of our times, but uh, seems to get a bit of recognition is Robbie James. Yeah, yeah, and Coughlin. Yeah, he's on there. Uh, Simon Williams nominated him alongside uh, Ferry Border and Ashley Williams. It's it's mad, isn't it? You know, for for a for a guy who started watching the Swans in the mid to late nineties, there's there's so much history. Yeah. Um, that has gone before yeah. my time. Absolutely, that was what I was. I was the exact point I was going to make. Now is I. Okay. I feel kind of bad. This you know we start watching like the late nineties, don't we? <laughs> and it's good um, though, boys, because because I think I, I think we've got a following on Twitter, and we've got a vast is a big spectrum of, of people that have watched. Uh, you know, there's the older people that have watched them uh, from perhaps the sixties, seventies onwards, right down to the uh, to the younger crew and the uh, the Twitter elites. So it's good to have them all on board, like. <laughs>
you've got a mystery player for us now. I got two. Two? So, yes, two mystery players, right? Um, I'm going to give you clues. It's three clues, and we'll see who gets the most points. So if you guess it on my first clue, um, okay. you'll get three points, two points on second clue, one point on third, and so on. See how many you get. Um, I chucked this together within five minutes, so I don't know if it'll work. One player at a time? Yeah, one player at a time. Right. So player number one. Um, all current or X ones, right? Okay. So I started my playing career at Everton. Uh, McLeod. Kevin oh. McLeod. Yes. Yeah, fair play. Write these points down. Write these points down. Yeah, so three <laughs> points for Michael. I was going to go. The other two would have been... Um, anyone know why he was transfer listed from Swans? No. All according to Wikipedia. Apparently for a, a breach of club's discipline and I'm just being a reckless drunk. There we go. Um, standard, standard for that. Yeah. Just a, just a scouser with a bit of Irish heritage. What we'll do then on the ne- on the next one, right? We'll do it, but type your answers in, and then we'll see who gets it first. And then we'll uh, we'll Go see on, who gets it first at the end, right? Um, yeah. so clue number one. Started my career at FK Atlantis. You can check it in the chat notes. How do I do that? Fucking <laughs> <laughs> come on! You got it. Grant Gantias. Lockdown quiz champion, isn't he? Yeah, just waiting for an answer from Norris. You've got one from Michael and Aaron. Uh, no idea. No idea? All right, we'll move to the next one. Absolutely no idea. I scored the winning goal to help the Swans lift the Football League trophy. Mike's already got it, so... Oh, did I get it right? Yeah. Fuck. What I should have... Look at the football (laughs) brains on me. Oh, Aaron's gone. Who scored the opener? Oh, for fuck's sake. Yeah, I was going to do the last last one I was going to do as I ranked as, I've ranked as the strongest footballer in several editions of FIFA. But Norris has added it was Akin Fenwa. Boys, if anybody read the uh, the notes on the right hand side of your screen, Michael sent the answer to everyone. Oh, well, well, and then I said, say, right. what can I say? But, uh, yeah, I can find absolute useless knowledge of. Fair play, Mike. Players, but, uh, yes. That is an app. It is useless knowledge because you've had Kevin McLeod from Everton and you've had Akin Fenwell from FK Atlantis. Yeah. Never got well, I think it's. I knew he'd played in a few like weird places, Akin Fenwell. And he played like someone like Lithuania, something like that. Yeah, that, Lithuania was FK Atlantis. I think yeah. it was something to do with like um his stepbrothers or agents was friends with whoever anyway. Did anyone know we joined from FK Atlantis? Was it Barry United? Uh, Barry, Barry Town. Town. Yeah. Barry yeah, Town. Barry Town. Mad. Amazing oh, thing, mate. Right? Obviously a cult hero or us and then cult hero everywhere now. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Oh, beast mode on. Good Very player, still the winner. Thanks for tuning in to another lockdown episode of the Get To Podcast. Uh, big shout out to Martin Norris for a strong debut. Um, unfortunately, Clark, you couldn't join us this month. Um, if anyone wants to give Norris a shout out or a follow or some abuse for his Matt Grimes opinions, then uh, you can find his name in our Twitter bio. Uh, take care and see you all again.